No one does. Restaurants do. Yeah. But On a personal level, though, no one needs that much ranch. No one needs that much ranch. But yeah, any drive-through ranch. Fair. Great. Fair. Like Jack in the Box. Great. Oh, ranch. Yeah, bottle ranch. Disgusting. Fuck <laughs> bottled ranch. Disgusting. Fuck bottled ranch and fuck Bob Kramer. Yeah, he likes bottled ranch. You know I'll he, bet does. he does. Oh yeah. I bet he you likes the he real gross bottled he ranch. He stocks like... his entire kitchen with Hidden Valley bottled ranch. <laughs> I bet he does. Or like dollar store. <gasps> oh off brand no. ranch. He seems like the type. Dollar oh, store ranch. God, Ken's ranch can get is pretty decent. Botulism. Yeah. <laughs> botulism. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get from dollar store ranch. Wouldn't that be hilarious to just see a headline someday like Local Pennsylvania man dies after eating tainted <laughs> dollar store ranch. Bob Cranmer. Bob Cranmer. No, Bob! <laughs> it's probably somebody fucking Nestle would sell. Uh, well, welcome, because I can see now we're recording. There's yeah. little numbers moving. Welcome to Ghosts and Hoes. Ghosts and Hoes. Ghosts and Hoes. <laughs> Paranormal podcast where we talk about... Dicks. Yep. That, yes. Dicks and all things paranormal. Dicks included. Haunted dicks. Ooh, haunted yes. Dicks. Yes, haunted got, dicks. Oh, no, we haven't gotten haunted dicks yet. But no, we haven't. I'm sure. We'll get there. Yeah, no. Someday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hi, guys. Hi, guys. It's, so, it's, yes, go. Uh, I was going to say it's Sunday, which was not really where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> I'm still a little bit cracked out from the energy drink I had earlier. Yeah. I had a whole one. Oh, boy. And um, I also hadn't eaten anything. Oh, boy. So I was like, oh, I'm going to come at you like a howler monkey, old man. <laughs> I was, oh, boy. I was, You're on one. I was jacked. <laughs> like, it took me so long to put eyeliner on my face. Oh, I, no. Oh, it was, I was like, I have to go eat now because you're gonna I, poke your fucking eye out. I might just vibrate into a thousand pieces. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I had some sushi and now I've calmed down a little bit. Okay. Uh, but there's still residual jackedness yeah, from I, that. Um, residual jack? Resi- residual jacked. Um, but yeah, no, this episode is actually going to come out on the eve of our first birth anniversary. Yay! Yay! One year. One year of ghosts and hoes, one y'all. One whole calendar year, guys. Yeah, so we did it. We made we it. We did. Looks like we made it. Yeah. <laughs> I brought some pink champagne. We have bubbles. For celebration. Oh, All also. All sorts of bubbles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, hold please. Yes. Um, use words in there because I have to get something. You have to get something. Um, well, I can do my backhoe real quick. Yeah. Because oh, yeah, I've got sources. my sources from the Hinterkaifeck. Nice. Uh, there was a Wiki, a Ranker, Kat McAuliffe, All That's Interesting, Mental Floss, Katie Serena, Rotten Raven Studios, YouTube, and Defrosting Cold Cases, Alice. And it's just Alice. Like Cher. Yes. I'm into it. Yeah. So that's my backhoe. Do we have any other backhoes? Um, hold. I had to get my glasses also because oh, okay. I'm elderly. Are you going to read something? Do you have something you have to... Which... Well, when I read my story... Did you write us a poem? I, I know. I'm like, what are you digging for I over there? but... A haiku, perhaps? Could. Perhaps uh, a haiku? No. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so... 
the book. I'm eating, just, yeah. just FYI, for crinkles and crunches. That's what's happening. It's okay. If you go back and listen to some of our first episodes, there's lots of snacking you can hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mentioned... My microphone is trying to punch me in the face. Um, the book with the Tallman haunting. Yes, that you I own it. I remember the name. I own it. Uh, it's called Haunted Heritage, and okay. it is by Michael Norman and Beth Scott. Bitchin'. Yeah. So, if you find it, read it. It's pretty interesting. It's just a bunch. It's like a collection of short haunted stories. Cool. Yeah. So, and then... And then. and then I just noticed that one of our reviews is a one-star review, but it's attached to the nicest actual statement ever, so I think it was an accident. Okay. So it was like, the actual review was like, I love this show, it's great, blah, 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 and it's like one star. I'm like, I'm confused. So it must have been an accident. Um, If user Melvan67 is listening... Please go fix it <laughs> and let us know when and we will send you something. Because I saw it. I was checking to see if we had any new reviews, which we did. And it was great. Thank you And there all. was like at the bottom, there's just like, you know, how's the bars on Apple mm-hmm. where it's like one star. And I'm like, what? And so I was combing them and I found the review and I'm like, oh, well, that was a mistake then because the review was super, super nice. Right. I So... I, I yes, get it. Please. But if you fix it, we will send you something. Yes. We yes. had a one-star review on What's More Metal, and they didn't leave a comment. So uh, I said it there. I'll say it here. Fucking coward. <laughs> How dare Cowards. You, you monsters. Um, yeah, so that was that. I just, well, I was digging in my bag because I had to get my glasses because I'm an elderly lady. Yes, but also, because yes, it's are. our birthday. You are so funny. Yeah. You, she just I only handed like, me a box. Yeah, I only like birthdays when they are not mine. Oh my god! What what have you done? I didn't know your size, hmm? so I couldn't get you one. On what? What I'm about to open? Uh-huh. It's, oh, it's a, a ring. Oh sweet Christ! I know it says something, and <laughs> I can't read it. Do you need my glasses? It says god. hexes and hoes. Stop it! Oh my mm-hmm. god! Well, it's so very shiny, and it's dim lighted, lidded, lighted, dim lidded, dimly lit. There it there is. It's like dim witted, but um. <laughs> Oh, honey, thank you. You're welcome. Also, I got... So, I originally ordered them. I've been hanging on to these since before Christmas, and it almost killed me. Oh, God. It came from the same one that made our necklaces. Oh, That nice. I got us for Christmas. Um, and it has a little purple stone on it for February, which is our birthday. That is adorable. Because I am good at presents. You um, really are. But... I ordered them originally. They came from China. And when I got them, one said hexes and one said hoes. I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. (laughs) And so uh, I messaged the gal through Etsy. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. She's like, no, it must have been like the way that they had their things set up. And so she's like, oh, um, if you can pay for shipping, because, again, from China. She's like, I'll just send you some more. So then she sent me these. I still have the other ones. And so oh, yeah. I have them for uh, Goose and Lamanda. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, I asked them. I, I knew already what they were going to... Well, what... Because I asked Molly. I'm like, okay, pick a word. Which one? Hexes well, I, or hoes? And she's she like, hoes. I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to confirm that that was correct. I knew exactly and which I knew, one she'd pick. I knew Amanda would pick <gasps> she'd hexes, pick hexes. But I so. was just like, I just wanted to confirm. So I have those. 
in my bag for them, too. The sweetest. Look at it. It's our birthday. Kind of. (laughs) That's hilarious. One year. One year. We got shirts in the works. We do. All kinds of stuff. Things and stuff. Stuff. Stuff and and things. Woo! Yeah. Anyway, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff we could bullshit about right now, but my right. story is long. So is mine, so. Oh, good. Yay. Who goes first today? Me. Yay. <laughs> this is unprecedented. You guys are starting in your stories less than 10 minutes in. Well, okay, I think you'll, they're long. you'll see, because mine is long. Mine's probably long because of the fonts. <laughs> I, I got stuck on a font, and then my font turned purple, and I don't know how or why. Uh-oh. And then I, I don't know how to fix it. So someday mine is just a hodgepodge of fonts and colors. So we're going back to the first episode. Then. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. A, it's a callback. There you go. Hold, please. Yes. Oh, she's she's drinking champagne yep. now. I keep champagne. I keep putting my mug to my face too quickly and getting bubbles up your nose. No, just spilling on my face. Because apparently oh, I don't. are still jacked. Know That's probably why. Drink. Probably. It's probably just my hand. Be like, mm hmm. Okay. Anyhow. Oh, bubbly. Also, I just wanted to say that when I walked in the house today, Randall was squeezing a million lemons. Mm-hmm. Limes. That's it. Citrus. <laughs> Citrus? That's the one. For Randall water. There it is. For Randall water. For Randall's magic water. It is the best. You it should really bottle is. it. Randall's magic water. Good. <laughs> He really could. Good. He makes yeah. the best water. He did. It's yeah. just I was tickled. It's yes. Um, yes. So what do you have? Is it a murder? Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it? What is it? Hold on. So, again, if any of you have noticed by now, I fucking love a theme. <laughs> like you today. do. Uh, so I mean, it was Richard Chase in Sacramento. Yes. Vampire of Sacramento. Uh, the murder of George Superman Reeves at Rose City Comic Con. Yes. Uh, both Halloween and Christmas episodes. There's more, I know, but you get it. Um, I love an occasion to theme something, and considering today's episode will come out on the eve of our first birth anniversary, figured there was no better time for this story. Ooh. Because both of them are a big deal. Oh, yeah, we are a big deal. <laughs> Clearly. Um, I've sat on this story for one calendar year. Debating on saving it for an eventual live show or perhaps a Patreon episode. Uh, It's been suggested and requested a few times, but for whatever reason, I waited. Okay. Uh, So everyone remembers the important firsts. First car, first job, first love. For us weirdos, we usually remember our spookier firsts. First horror movie, first paranormal experience, and the first story that got you into true crime. Oh, boy. Yes, yes, y'all. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my first peek behind the curtain that led from fantasy to reality. The first time I learned that monsters truly are human beings, and I'll get into the details later on, but the subject of today's story has been known by many faces and many names throughout the years. Oh God, what the fuck? (laughs) Ezra, Bill, Norman, Leatherface... Oh, there it is. This is the story of the butcher of Plainfield himself, Ed Gein. Look at you. So for those of you who aren't in this room because you can't see, she opened up her sweatshirt and revealed her Ed Gein shirt. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was delightful. Also wearing 
my Edgy necklace, which has a piece of wood that was salvaged from his house. It's a gene day. Uh-huh. It's a gene day. We're getting we're getting into it today. Sure are. Here we go. Oh boy. <laughs> so. Edward Theodore Gein was born in La Crosse, Wisconsin, on August 27, 1906, to George and Augusta Gein. As the story goes, when Augusta gave birth to her first son, Henry, in 1902, she didn't feel particularly attached to him. Oh. Sort of like, I don't care for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Is how I believe she felt about him. Yeah, fair, fair. Which would also technically make Ed Gein Buster Bluth. And that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good uh, and so accurate. Because I can actually picture him in my head. Like, hey, brother. It's very <laughs> weird. Um, so Augusta Gein wasn't too keen on the menfolk, you see. Uh, so she prayed to her Lutheran god for a daughter. Oh. Well, no. Disappointment aside, she got Ed. Ed. Uh, and she went out of her way to make sure that Henry and little Eddie especially didn't end up like their father, who she considered to be an alcoholic and a failure. Oh. Which he was an alcoholic and he Fair. was a failure. So, I mean. Fair. Way to go, Augusta. But, I mean, she was terrible too. Uh, she worked hard to make sure that her sons didn't turn out. Oh, yep. Oh, turn, turn out to be lustful and godless men. Oh. Like the ones that she saw out in the world. Uh, to say she, oh yeah, oh boy. Uh, to say she hated men would be an understatement. There's not a stronger word available. Mm-hmm. Uh, this included her own husband, whom she absolutely despised. And if divorce hadn't been frowned upon by the church, I'm sure she would have made him file for one immediately. No oh, damn. Uh, Augusta Gain was quite fond of emasculating her husband, whom she saw as weak and disgusting. Jesus. Yeah. George had trouble staying employed for long periods of time and bounced from job to job. Miraculously, in 1909, he became the proprietor of a small grocery shop, which he signed over to Augusta in 1911 because of his excessive drinking. Uh, uh, okay, fair. He's like, here is the deed. And she ran the store. Yeah. She did it. She scrimped, saved. And about four years of running the store, after about four years of running the store, the Gaines purchased a 195-acre farm oh, damn. on the outskirts of Plainfield. Uh, Augusta apparently chose that specific piece of property based off of the fact that it was set far away from the influence of town, which meant she could keep an even tighter rein on her boys. Good God, this woman. Oh, yeah. She's a lot, though. She's a lot, though. I mean, it, it, maybe that's why her husband drinks the way he drinks? Uh, he saying? had... He, that is absolutely part of it. <laughs> he also had a very rough life. They were both from uh, lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And when he was, I want to say five, his family went to, well, he was a little boy, like between five and ten, somewhere in there, sure. uh, George Gein. His parents and sister went to the market and died. Oh. There was a flood. Oh, and, and they so just go he, to the market and die. Yep. Shit. So he was orphaned as a very small child. He's an orphan. He was an orphan. An orphan in the orphan's home. <laughs> in the orphanage. Um, so, I mean, that probably didn't help either. Right. So cards kind of stacked against George Gein from the get-go. Yeah, she sounds like a real ball buster, that Augusta. Oh, 
boy. Sheesh. Um, Henry and little Eddie, is what's what they called him, mm-hmm. only ever left the farm to attend school. Uh, they weren't allowed to make or keep friends, as Augusta thought that all of the other children would corrupt her sons. Jesus. Uh, this allegedly led to little Eddie making some imaginary pals for himself. Though, to be honest, the other children didn't really want to be friends with him anyway. Uh, he was small in stature, spoke with a bit of an impediment caused by a lesion on his tongue. Good God. And had a sleepy left eye, which was caused by a cyst. Boy, just hot mess expressing over there. Mm-hmm. All of which he was regularly bullied for. Um, he was also just a real weird kid. Shocking, eh. I know. Um, he was quiet and shy, soft and sensitive, and allegedly would laugh out loud to himself for no apparent reason. Oh, boy. Like he just told himself a joke and then just started laughing. That is different. So Joker is about Ed Gein. You know what? I It may be okay. based different. loosely off of now. I have not looked, but I wouldn't be surprised. Cool. Yeah. I wouldn't be at all surprised. He was just generally off-putting. Fair um, enough. Yeah. He was an okay student. He loved to read, um, but was what they called slow back in the day. Mm. <laughs> uh, Why am I laughing? I'm an asshole. Uh, <laughs> Uh, whether or not he had any true developmental disabilities is unknown. Um, he stopped attending school after completing the eighth grade in 1920. Well, he won right. No. So, I mean. No, no. <laughs> he ain't right. Far from. Um, uh, he stayed home after that to work around the family farm and help out. Uh-huh. On occasion, George, the father, would become violent. Not just with his sons, but with Augusta as well. She just believed that God had intended her to be miserable, however, and uh, sure would straighten herself up and start telling her husband what she and Jesus thought of him. Oh, Jesus too, huh? Oh, boy. Like, I, there was, in the book that I have and have read, uh, said that she, like, picked herself up and had a black eye, and she was oh, like, Oh, damn. All right, George Gein, if you think that I wouldn't rather be in the bosom of the Lord... Go for it. You do whatever you want to do. I don't even care. Wow. Damn, talk about a fucked up relationship. Yeah, she was like, whatever. Shit ain't right. Um, Exactly. When night would come, George would go off somewhere to drink, whether you go to the bar, the barn, a corner. Fair. Didn't matter. He would leave, and Augusta would regale the boys with verses from the Bible. Fun. More specifically, from the Old Testament. Uh, she was really into this. Oh, yeah. Like she was She was all about it. Yeah. All about it. When they moved to Plainfield, they went to church a few times, and she was like, no, I'm doing it here. And she would just do it at home they just for her and the boys. Hellfire and brimstone enough for her there in the old tabernacle. Correct. Damn. She's like, I got this. And... Uh, so she made sure to preach to her sons of the wickedness out in the immoral world. That turned out well. Uh, the evils of drinking, which they had seen firsthand from their father. Yes. And she was also certain to let them know that all women, except herself, obviously, were quote unquote prostitutes and instruments of the devil himself. Wow. Yeah. So Henry mostly kept his head down. Was like, sure, whatever, mom. Fine. Okay. 
Okay, ma. Uh, older kids are want to do. Exactly. He's yeah. like, okay. He's like, I'm so not into your shit right now, mom. Yeah, he's just like, I don't even care. Uh, but little Eddie was enamored by his mother's stories and would do absolutely anything to please her. Reminder, it was impossible to please her, but. But he tried, he God did damn try. it. Uh, George Gein died of a heart attack or pneumonia, depending on where you look, in 1940. Okay. And Augusta reportedly said that her worthless husband went to hell. Oh, there it is. Yep. Uh, oh. The boys by this time were in their 30s, um, but both still lived at home, picked up little odd jobs around town um, in order to bring in some money. Okay. Everyone in town seemed to like the Gein brothers well enough, finding them reliable and competent workers. Uh, they both did various jobs as handymen, but Ed seemed to find somewhat of a calling as a babysitter. Oh, no. Yeah. People attribute it to the fact that no. he, again, was a little bit slow and related to children more than people his own age. Could you fucking imagine growing up and then later on being like, my babysitter was motherfucking Ed Gein? No, dude. <laughs> Not okay. Good. There's nothing okay about this. Good God. Almighty. Wow. Oh, yeah. He was just... Wow. They they called him Weird Eddie a lot of the times. Oh, bless it. Yeah. Well, but, true. Yeah. I He was usually just seen around. Like, it's some people didn't even have to pay him a lot of money they would either give him a few bucks or they would pay him and like buttermilk or right. farm things comic books or whatever uh, yeah so growing up without friends hadn't really phased the Gein brothers because they had each other uh, Henry Gein was exactly what you'd want of an older brother he taught Ed how to fish how to use a knife tan build traps for hunting all that good old farm boy stuff Good old farm boy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were a little older, they would go hunting together. Um, Ed couldn't stomach hunting anything larger than, like, a raccoon. Oh, yeah. when did that switch flip? Right. Uh, but, yeah, like, he couldn't do it. It made him really squeamish. Oh. I know. Um, okay. Not usually how that goes. Nope. No. It's usually and, quite the opposite. Yeah. yeah like... No. Okay. And, Interesting. Uh, sometimes That's weird. the two of them would even go for a beer at the local tavern, mm-hmm. which, of course, they never told their mother about. But hard alcohol was absolutely nothing that they ever touched. Mm-hmm. They would have an occasional beer. Okay. okay. At the tavern. Just doing bro things. Yep. Just broing out. Being dudes. Being dudes. Right. Um, gotcha. They were as close as two repressed boys with an overbearing and fanatical mother could be. Well, it's probably pretty close. <laughs> um, I mean, what else you got? Considering. You have yeah. no friends. You're not allowed to. You sure nope. shit don't date. Nope. You can't drink. You can't have fun. Nope. Uh, Henry was quiet and reserved, but also very observant. Um, he worried about his brother's deeply unhealthy attachment to their mother. And Ruh-roh. openly criticized St. Augusta in front of Ed. This shocked and hurt Ed deeply. As their mother was, in his eyes, a saint. The, a saint. He had he called her a saint in later um, interviews when he was after he was arrested. Right. Literally, his words that she was a saint. Okay. Um, he like viewed her as the Madonna. Oh, basically. Boy. And so he just couldn't see how his own brother couldn't see her in the same way. Right. Which she's, she's not much fun. 
She yells hellfire and brimstone at us all the time. Which uh, may have led into this next thing. Oh, boy. Never proven. But always always a wonder about this. So in May of 1944... Um, a brush fryer broke out near the farm. Right. Uh, I think they were like just doing like a burn pile mm-hmm. and it got out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ed and Henry took off to go put it out. According to the police, the two men had gone in different directions in an attempt to cover more ground to put out the blaze. Uh, while working to keep the farm from catching fire, Ed stated that he had lost sight of Henry. And once the fire was out, a worried Ed contacted the police. Oh. A search party was sent out to the farm. Though the search for missing Henry didn't last long at all because when they got there, Ed led the police straight to Henry's body. Oh no, Henry's dead. Henry is dead. Oh no, and Ed knew right where he was. Mm -hmm. The police dismissed the idea of any foul play because despite the fact that Henry had bruises on his head and had been found lying face down on an unburnt patch of ground. Huh. Despite that, they well, were that's like just that good old 1940s police work. Yeah, so they're like, eh, so that's to, fine. So to, so to recap that, yeah, I'll swipe back. Uh, <laughs> pretzels are gone. Ed, or not Ed, Henry is found on Bird Patrick Crown with bruises on his head. Yep. Yes. Cool. Uh, no, yeah, right. No yeah. foul play. Not, none. No. None at all. It's Nin- a very abusive fire. Uh, yes. Very 1940s police work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Shame. Later on, the coroner ruled Henry's cause of death as ex- asphyxiation. Like smoke <gasps> inhalation. Yeah, no. Sure. Okay, sure. No you one- know, I have <laughs> beaten people into suffocation myself. <laughs> I mean, so haven't we all? Uh, <laughs> no one <laughs> believed that shy little Eddie was capable of killing anyone, let alone his own beloved brother. <laughs> well, they're wrong. No. <laughs> he wouldn't even hurt a fly. Yeah, right? Yeah, no, they're they're... Sweet little Eddie. That was a line from Psycho, and I'm very disappointed that nobody got that. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a what? Psycho. You guys are both I've the only worst. Seen the second one. Okay, that one's actually really good. It's really good. <laughs> so is the book. I've read them both. Um, Ed was now finally all alone with his mother, um, just like he wanted. Mm-hmm. He was by her side and at her beck and call day and night. Um, she probably breastfed him till he was like ten, forty. Fair. I don't know. I'm like I'm starting to think that uh he has like a an Anthony Perkins kind of thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, that character Or not Anthony Perkins. With fucking, Norman Bates. Thank you. Jesus Christ. Well But I know what you meant. Yeah, thank you. I got it. Norman Bates was very heavily based on Gein. Based on Ed okay. Gein. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um yeah. So um he never socialized apart from the odd jobs that he kept, and certainly never dated. Um, when caring for her, caring for her, she could be a dick. Shocking. But he seemed super into it. Yeah. So. Or she was the complete opposite, where she would always tell him what a good boy he was, and apparently even had him sleep in her own bed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mind you, he's in his, I believe, forties now. This is different. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately for him. That paradise wasn't meant to last, and in December of 1945, Augusta Gein died following a series of strokes. Uh-oh. Yep. Uh, it's about to go south. Sure is. This is this is where it gets real weird. Um, Harold Schechter, he's an author, PhD, 
explains in his book Deviant, which is about Ed Gein, mm-hmm. that Ed had lost his only friend and one true love, and he was absolutely alone in the world. Uh, following his mother's death, Ed boarded up almost every single room in the house, aside from the kitchen and a small, basically, closet off the kitchen that he turned into his bedroom. Okay. Augusta's room was a pristine shrine for all intents and purposes. Of course. Uh, while the rest of the house looked like something from horrors. Yeah, sounds Weird. right. Yeah. Um, Ed, always an avid reader, kept his nose buried in pulp magazines that detailed shipwrecks, the Nazis, cannibals, and headhunters of the South Seas, as well as newspapers and books on anatomy. Okay. He began to brush up on how to make the shrunken heads, as he read about in various books and magazines, and was particularly interested in learning about exhuming corpses. Oh, that's different. Mm, it should come as no surprise to learn that his favorite section of the paper was the obituaries. What? You're a fucking weirdo. Uh-huh. No. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, right? That's bananas. Banoons. Straight up banoons. Drink. Nah. Um, Ed loved to tell these ghoulish stories and others to the kids that he babysat. He's still babysitting at 40? Oh, yeah. That's his only source of income. Pretty much. Oh, my God. And aside from doing handyman jobs here and there, but he preferred to babysit. He wasn't, like, nobody saw him as a threat or a danger because he was just weird Eddie. Did he ever molest any children? No. Well, that's good. Yeah. Not that anybody, and nobody ever said that he had, nobody ever had any reason to bring that up. But and we'll I'm not there. saying that because I don't think men can be good babysitters. No, it's I, just it's Ed fucking Gein. Exactly. I mean, um, you know, yeah, he's, there's, he's not exactly the no. And there's a little I talk pillar about, of mental health. Oh no, I'll talk about that especially in a, just a little bit. But um, no, he was very childlike in a himself, lot of ways. Yeah. Okay, and so people were just like, yeah, it's yeah, just sure. he's just a little slow. Yeah. He's the kids like him well enough. Just old walkie eye. He's fine. He yeah, old sleepy eye. Right. He always got the kids to go to bed and listen. Also well. because he was telling them fucking horrifying, <laughs> ghoulish <laughs> stories. He's like, probably. I can only imagine in my head. He's like, so yeah. There's these guys. They're called headhunters, and they'll cut off your head and then shrink it. Go to bed. Good night. <laughs> they're like, fuck. Okay, <laughs> shit, we're going to get in bed, but I'm never going to sleep ever again. Right. Um, so, yeah, that um, is a crazy thing. Um, also, just random, you know, any kind of ghost story or anything right. that he'd read about, he would tell the kids, which is just weird. I feel like, and this isn't anything that I read anywhere, I just feel like he would learn these stories, and since he didn't grow up with friends... He was probably trying to come off as really cool by knowing all this stuff. Fair. To the kids that he really related to. Like, right. I could imagine, like, imagine babysitting a 12 year old and trying to be, like, a real cool dude. Be like, hey, so I read this story, blah, 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 blah. And right. So that's how I think it may have gone down. Fair. But that's just me. Um, one of the boys he babysat uh, came to visit Ed at the farm one day and later told people that Ed had shown him some preserved heads that he kept in his room. Uh, oh. Yeah. 
Um, Ed claimed that they had been sent to him from the Philippines by a cousin who had served in World War II. Okay. Yeah. Naturally, no one believed the boy, because that's... Right. Why? Right. You're like, shut up, Marcus. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's not his name. They never said it. I'm just assuming it was for whatever purpose. Sounds good. No one believed him. However, two more young men also claimed later on that they had seen the exact same things. They're like, oh, yeah, we fucking, yeah, we saw those. So Mm. rumors started to swirl, but no one was really buying it. It was just one of those, like, local, like, so-and-so said that they saw heads in Ed Gein's bedroom. Exactly. That's exactly what it sounded like. There were heads in jars. Did you hear about Ed Gein? Derp, derp. Derp, derp. Rabble, 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 So no one was buying it. Uh, they Make just... Make sure you're on a little South Park rant with me real quick. You're welcome. Uh, they just assumed that the boys had seen some goofy Halloween decorations. Sure. Whatever. I mean, um, why would you think that someone has shrunken heads in their fucking house? Exactly. And in fact, people would joke with Ed about the shrunken heads when he came into town and he would just respond with a slow smile and mutter something about keeping them in his room. Oh. Yeah. No one took him seriously. Okay. They just thought he was in on the joke. Oh, yeah. Nope. Just got him in my room. Fucking Ed Gein. But then. <laughs> God damn it. Then people started to disappear. Oh, no. Most notably. How does that switch flip? Like, what the fuck? I will get there eventually. Okay, cool. But it's coming. Kind of. Um, so, most notably, hardware store owner Bernice Warden mm-hmm. had disappeared. And Mary Hogan, owner of the Pine Grove Tavern, was gone. Both women were connected to some of the only places in Plainfield that Gein frequented. Interesting. Yeah. Bernice Warden was reported missing on November 16th, 1957. Uh, the hardware store had been closed all day, which should have been a red flag, but patrons assumed that it was because of deer hunting season. Okay. Um, a resident later recalled seeing Bernice's truck driving away from the store around 9.30 that morning, which I feel is a little late in the day to go hunting, but sure. Right. Um, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, Bernice's son, went to the shop that evening around 5 and discovered the cash register missing completely. Oh. As well as a trail of blood leading out the back door. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Warden was instantly suspicious of Ed, uh, telling investigators that Ed had been in the hardware store the previous day and that he had told Bernice he would be coming back the following morning to pick up some antifreeze. Okay. The last receipt that Bernice had written out... Was for antifreeze? Was for a gallon of antifreeze on the morning of her disappearance. Okay. So, police tracked down Ed and arrested him. While he was being interviewed, members of the Washara County Sheriff's Department went out to the old Gein homestead to investigate, and I can tell you right now, they weren't ready for what they found. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, Bernice Warden's body was discovered in a shed, hanging upside down from the ankles, Wrists bound and dressed like a deer. Dressed? She had been gutted. A deer. Oh, that kind of dress. Not in a deer suit. Nope. She was split down the middle. Also, decapitated. And eviscerated. Her head was gone. And as if that weren't horrific enough, what they found inside was far worse. 
and Sorry, ev- her or his house? In his house. Okay. And uh, the evidence that they found was of a very sick, mad man. Oh, boy. And this is just a list of what they found inside. Whole human bones and bone fragments. A waste basket made of human skin. Human skin covering several chair seats. Mm. Skulls on his bedposts. Female skulls, some with the top sawn off. Bowls made from human skulls. A corset made from a female torso skinned from shoulders to waist. Leggings made from human leg skin. Masks made from the skin of female heads. Mary Hogan's face in a paper bag. Like her, ma- like he right, made a mask right, out of her face. Right. Uh, Mary Hogan's skull in a box. Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Oh. Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Ed Gein's pot-bellied stove. A young girl's dress and the vulvas of two females judged to have been about 15 years old. Oh, no. Four noses. A belt made from female human nipples. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. A lampshade made from the skin of a human face. Fingernails from female fingers. Nine vulvas in a shoebox. Where does one get that many vulvas? Well, from nine people. We'll get Fair. We're about, <laughs> we're almost there. We um, solved that. So this is this is where the uh, this part of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes from. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of the artifacts that were found in Gein's home were photographed at the state crime library and promptly destroyed. Fair, yeah, no. Um, Ed Gein eventually confessed to murdering Bernie, Bernice Warden by shooting her in the head with a twenty-two caliber rifle, meaning that all of the horrific things done to her body happened after she died. Mm. It was he shot her once in the head. She died. And then Everything murder. horrible came after. Well, it started horrible and got way fucking worse. Right. But she wasn't dead. She, was, the, not, she wasn't alive for the She was not alive part. for that part. Yeah. Uh, he also confessed to the, Mary, or the murder of Mary Hogan, who'd been missing since 1954, three years earlier. Oh, wow. boy. Uh, he stated that he'd shot her on accident and didn't really remember doing it. Um, and this kind of plays into the rest of everything that's about to come come up that he had admitted to. Okay. Uh, a further search of the property led to the discovery of numerous bones and body parts, uh, which arose suspicions around some of the other people that had disappeared from the area. Because there were, I want to say, like, four, four or five other people that they had suspected he had murdered. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we found these fucking bones and these body parts, so obviously he killed them. When they asked him about it, he denied having killed anyone else and informed the police that the remains that they had found were, um, where do you go? Ah, they were all from graves that he had robbed. I was going to say, he's grave robbing. Yeah. Um, so he went on to tell investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he had made as many as 40 late night visits to local cemeteries to exhume recently buried middle-aged women that he believed resembled his dearly departed mother. God bless it. Yes. Though he also claimed to have awoke, like gone to the cemetery in a daze like state. Okay. And f- on 30 of those occasions, he came out of it and left everything as it was before he had arrived. So, 30 of the times that he went, he went out to the cemetery intending, apparently in a trance, right, to rob sure. these graves. But when he came to, he just went home. That leaves 10 other occasions. Where he didn't. Where he 
did in fact go grave robbing. Uh, He admitted to nine exhumations, and the police doubted him, obviously, but he told them where where they could be found, and as a test, they dug up three of the graves that Gein had told them about and found um, two of the caskets empty and one with a body that was missing parts, thus corroborating his claims. Right. Also of note, Ed Gein had returned some of the body parts and jewelry to the rightful grave before. The one that was missing some body parts. Right. He had returned some, wow. like the jewelry, but there were other ones that he had also returned other body parts to. Um, Fucking Ed Gein, dude. Yeah. During his interrogations, Gein showed no remorse for what he had done and spoke very matter-of-factly of his crimes, though on some occasions he seemed almost cheerful while discussing them. It's like Ed Kemper. Yeah. Um, at one point during his questioning, Washara County Sheriff Art Schley allegedly assaulted Gein by slamming his head and face into a brick wall, oh. which unfortunately resulted in Gein's initial confession being ruled as inadmissible in court. Oh, no. Yeah. Before Gein's trial would begin, um, Art Schley died of heart failure at the age of 43. Friends of Schley said that the trauma of Gein's crimes and the fear of having to testify caused his death. Oh, damn. One friend even said he was a victim of Ed Gein as surely as if he'd butchered him. Oh, damn. Yeah. Um, following his arrest, Ed underwent psychological evaluations, thorough and in-depth <laughs> thorough psychological evaluations. And thorough. Uh, during which he was asked about his earliest childhood memories. One of the memories he shared was of falling down the stairs in the kitchen, recalling that his mother had saved him from serious harm. But he also remembered that it felt like he had initially been pushed. Uh, Psychiatrists theorized that Augusta had likely pushed Ed down the stairs before catching and saving him. Okay. As a weird fucking power play. Um, Little Munchausen by proxy. I wouldn't say Munchausen's because she didn't think there was anything wrong with Ed per se. And so she didn't want any attention that way. It was just a very fucked up flex. There it is. Even better. It was a fucked up flex. Fucked up flex. Because she's like, I brought you into this world. I can take you out any fucking time I want. Boom. Gotcha. St. Augusta. Exactly. She's kind of a nut. Oh, yeah. Kind of? Yeah. She knew that she couldn't get away with that with Henry. Right. Also, she didn't care much for him anyway. I so. don't care for Henry. Don't care for him. So it makes him a Michael, not a Buster. No, he's he's more like Buster in my head because he's so attached to his mom. Okay, like Buster is sense. to yes, Lucille. To Lucille. Okay. Yeah. I thought we were just talking about order of birth. No, no, no. Um. So, Gein also revealed that he began to create a woman suit not long after his mother's death mm-hmm. as a way to cope with her passing and as a way to become Augusta by literally crawling into her skin. Cool. Didn't yeah. we do a story a lot like this a while ago? Not that I recall. Oh, no. We did Ed Gein on What's More Metal. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. I remember okay. someone talking about literally crawling into a woman's skin Yeah, suit. I was like, that? Mm-hmm. Like, nope. This is the okay. first time I think. Never mind. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, psychiatrists believe that Gein struggled with his gender identity and that by wearing his macabre yeah. creations around the house... In spite of a deep-seated self-loathing and hatred for women, he was fulfilling his fantasy of becoming a woman. In his own testimony, Ed stated that, and this is a direct quote from 
case files and all of that good stuff. It was sort of a sex problem. I blame all my trouble on my mother. She should have made me a girl. I almost never went out with girls. I was afraid of them. All I could think of was my mother and how much I really loved her. I used to wonder if some kind of operation could change me into a woman. I used to read a lot in books about anatomy. Interesting. Uh Which, again, I want to bring up later. Uh, Dr. Martin Miller, one of the examining psychiatrists, said of Gein during the trial that, in many ways, this patient has lived a psychotic existence for many years. He has gone through a superficial existence so that in the eyes of people around him, he appeared quite rational. His activities were the result of a split-level consciousness. In his conscious mind, his mother was as good a woman as it was possible for a person to be. And I believe that is a quote from Ed Mm -hmm. Gein. The hatred he felt on account of her mistreatment of him was pushed onto women who reminded him, in appearance or situation, of her. Mm -hmm. Um, The experts that evaluated him came to the conclusion that Ed Gein was schizophrenic, and a sexual psychopath. Wow. Which is in quotes. I'm not quite sure what that would mean today. In today's terms, right? Probably something sexual offensive. Psychopath. Um, he was also they also called him a transvestite, which is not a thing really. Did he anymore. dress in women's clothing or just well, their skin? Just their skin. Hmm. I'm not sure. As that, far that as I am aware, he I don't think that counts. dressed, but that was I would say he's probably transgender. Yes, yeah. I would agree. So he's very transgender. I would right? agree. Um, so his condition was naturally attributed to his upbringing and the extremely unhealthy relationship he had with his mother. Uh, Gein's natural curiosity and sexual attraction to women and the unnatural ideas that his mothers had instilled in him, a.k.a. all women were disease-carrying sin vessels. Yes. Created his conflicting love-hate feelings Correct. towards women. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so that created the conflicting love-hate feeling towards women, which he, um, which eventually developed into a full-blown psychosis. Gein also denied ever having sex with any of the bodies that he had taken, stating that they smelled too bad. Oh, yes, they probably fucking did, Ed. Weird. Uh, on November 21st, 1957, uh, Ed Gein was arraigned on one count of first-degree murder, to which he pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, He spent 30 days in a mental institution uh, where he was evaluated by experts, and it was decided that he was not mentally competent enough to stand trial. Okay. Instead, he was committed to the maximum security Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane in Wappen, Wisconsin. Fair. Yeah. That's where he belongs. (laughs) The town of Plainfield became frenzied following Ed's arrest. Uh, with people coming from all over to get a look at and inside Gein's house. Oh, I bet. Um, his personal effects had been auctioned off in March of that year, or 1958. I can't remember. 57 or 58. Mm-hmm. Um, it just went to public auction. Uh, with his 1949 Ford sedan, which he had used to haul the bodies, being sold for $760, which is about $6,700 today. Uh, to a sideshow operator named Bunny Gibbons. Uh, Gibbons would later charge 25 cents for admission to look at the car. Oh, yeah. Yep. What about all his other stuff? Like All of the belongings and stuff, like the skull Got- bowls and all that stuff, were destroyed. Yeah, lame. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like, wait a minute, hold on now. There's I want a kitty belt. This. There are, <laughs> right? I mean, there were some things in the house, like... Um, I want it just like a weird 
cauldron type steel pot okay. that he has gone down. Yeah, it's I I know I can't remember what artifact from the Gein house he owns, but Zach Bagans owns something of Ed Gein's, and I think it's that weird giant cauldron pot. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, anyhow, I'll look it up and let you know. So. The property and farm itself were appraised at around $4,700, which is about $42,000 today. Okay. Uh, or as of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, though, suspiciously, suspiciously, suspiciously. Suspiciously. Nope. We'll go with suspiciously. Suspiciously. Yeah. No, I like it. I suspiciously, it. the house burnt down on March 20th. Oh. They suspected arson, but there wasn't anything they could do about it anyway. Right. No, I, um, I'm sure someone from the town was like, you know what? Fuck this, this place guy. has got to go. Fuck this house. And I mean, maybe it was one of the family members of the bodies he Very dug well up. Very could have and, been because know. they were not happy that he was not right? going to trial. Oh, I just boobed my microphone up to the sky. Uh, <laughs> uh, when Ed was told about the fire, he simply stated, and with a shrug, just as well. Oh, okay. Uh, residents of the town were stunned by Gein's crimes because no one could believe that Weird Eddie would actually kill anybody. Uh, let alone everything else. Right. In one of many interviews con- um, interviews conducted, local residents and friends of Gein, Lester Hill, and Elmo... Oh, boy. Sure. <laughs> uh, Elmo Uek. It's U-E-E-C-K. Uek? Sure. Uh, Lester s- and Elmo. Let's just Lester go with that. Lester and Elmo. Wow. Said, uh, they said that there was plenty of strangeness in Ed, but not a trace of wickedness. Okay. Well... Um. So I think he might have been a little wrong about that. So ten years later, in 1968, doctors deemed him mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his defense. And on November 7th of 1968, the trial finally began and lasted for one week. Okay. Uh, at the request of Gein's attorney, there was no jury. I probably because by that time it'd been so long that. They weren't going to find any kind of impartial party to be a juror. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, hey, wasn't that the fucking guy with the nipple belt? So they're like, no jury. Right. It, right. Let's just fucking. Yeah, you can't. Boom, bang. Here's all the things. Right. Make your decision. So one of the examining psychiatrists stated that Gein had told him he wasn't sure if he had shot Bernice Warden on purpose or not. As he couldn't clearly recall the incident because of that day's like trance. Sure. What he did allegedly remember was looking at a gun in the store and after trying to load a bullet into the weapon it fired and killed her he said that he hadn't even been aiming the gun at her okay it just went off okay then yeah sure he panicked okay. he says he thinks he panicked took the cash register and ran yeah, but then you don't cut someone's head off and gut them like a fucking animal exactly so that's what I mean he's, I'm just that's what not out there that's what he said. I'm not saying it's true. That's just his words. Right? You know, that's not the next logical step when you accidentally shoot somebody. No. Not at all. That's my Um, professional opinion. (laughs) So, after that, he said he didn't really remember too much else about the rest of that day. On November 14th, Judge Robert H. Galmar found Ed Gein guilty of first-degree murder um, of Bernice Warden. A subsequent second trial was held over the matter of Gein's initial insanity plea. 
And after hearing the expert testimonies of various doctors from both the prosecution and the defense, the judge ruled that Gein was, in fact, guilty by reason of insanity. Okay. Um, judge Golmer later wrote, Due to prohibitive costs, Gein was only tried for one murder, that of Mrs. Warden. He also admitted to killing Mary Hogan. So, okay. they're like, yes, he admitted it. We only are sentencing him for the one he was initially charged with. Got it. Uh, Gein was sent back to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane and was eventually transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, he submitted a request for release in 1974, which was unsurprisingly denied. No thank you, Ed. Um, no thank you. No. He lived out the rest of his days between uh, the Central State Hospital and Mendota State Hospital, where he spent his time making rugs, polishing rocks, and reading. Uh, Harold Schechter described Gein as a model patient and stated that Eddie was happy at the hospital, happier perhaps than he'd ever been in his life. He got along well enough with the other patients, though for the most part he kept to himself. He was eating three square meals a day. Um, and then in parentheses, the newsmen were struck by how much heavier Eddie looked since, he ar- since his arrest five years before. Uh, he continued to be an avid reader. He liked his regular chats with the staff psychologists and enjoyed the handicraft work he was assigned, stone polishing, rug making, and other forms of occupational therapy. He'd even developed an interest in ham radios and had been permitted to use the money he had earned in order um, to order an inexpensive receiver. All in all, he was a perfectly amiable, even docile patient, out of or one of the few in the hospital who never required tranquilizing medications to keep his craziness under control. Indeed, apart from certain peculiar peculiarities, uh, the disconcerting way he would stare fixedly at nurses oh, or no. any other uh, female staff members who wandered into his line of vision, it was hard to tell that he was particularly crazy at all. Uh, when interviewed. Edward Schubert, superintendent of Central State Hospital, told reporters that if all our patients were like him, we'd have no trouble at all. <laughs> On July 26, 1984, Ed Gein died of respiratory failure uh, due to complications from lung cancer. Uh, he was 77 years old. Pieces of his headstone were constantly chipped away by seekers of murderabilia, and the entire thing was actually stolen in 2000. Oh, wow. Uh, That's pretty recent. Yeah. I would think someone would have stolen it a hell of a lot You'd sooner. You'd think so. Uh, his headstone was recovered the following year in Seattle. Shocking. Oh, weird. I know, right? <laughs> and is now allegedly stored in the basement of the Washura County Police Department. Though his grave is unmarked, it's still easily found in the Plaidfield Cemetery right next to his mother. Oh, boy. And that is the motherfucking story. The Butcher of Plainfield, the Plainfield Ghoul. Ed motherfucking Gein. Ed motherfucking Gein. Well yeah. done. Thank you. Ed Gein. Ed fucking Gein, y'all. Ed Damn. fucking Gein. And that story clocked in at 46 minutes. Yeah, it did. Yeah, mine's long, but I like I said, it's mainly font, so. It's ma- mainly font for, for our birthday episode. We're going a little long, <laughs> a y'all. A little long. Um, and dark. Very. Because mine is not better. Oh, great. <laughs> Oh, good. Oh, joyous day. Perfect. Um, so, yeah, that is Ed Gein. I feel like it's kind of a nature versus nurture situation. Mm. Um, he did absolutely fucking horrific things. 
just yeah, sure. yeah no he was unforgivable he was not well unconscionable though in his environment i feel like he was not, being obviously uh-huh off yes instead of helping her son she made it well much i'm curious worse. what augusta's story is yeah, I mean, where'd that bitch come from? You know, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, from well, a fucking German Lutheran family. Yeah, damn. And so, yeah, yikes. She's ballbuster. Oh, she wasn't yeah. all right either. Oh no, she um, wasn't all right. So, who's to say? Like, if he had been born to any other family, maybe would it have been the same? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Hard to maybe say. Maybe not hard to say, but it certainly wasn't helped yeah, by his you know, mother no. at all. And she made whatever he had worse. Way fucking worse. Yeah. So much worse. And very interesting to look back on the, you know, 20s, 40s with eyes and knowledge in 2020 to right, be like, well, right. yes, he was schizophrenic. Are they calling him a sexual psychotic because he, he felt that he was a woman? Felt that he was a woman? Is that what you're trying to say? Because that's fucked up. Well, yeah. I mean, also, I mean, I get it at the time. Yeah. 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 But he never had sex with any of the bodies. He wasn't, he, he just. Was, yeah, he wasn't into necrophilia. No. Nope. Or... And obviously he had. He was like, <laughs> interesting. I know I am. He <laughs> <laughs> said it in episode seven, I think. Necrophilia is never, never great. great. Um, but yeah, so it's just a fucked up, fucked up guy. Unfortunate that mm-hmm. he did not have access to any kind of help in any way. Right. Yeah. Like maybe even just something. Yeah. And this could have been stopped. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. But shitty that he never had a real yeah, chance. Yeah, because I mean, like I'm saying, and like I said, it's... Even shittier that he murdered You know, I, I get all of that and he, he essentially repressed himself oh, and yeah. all, all of that. But again, when you accidentally shoot somebody, you don't no. hang them upside down. You bind them, hang them upside down, cut their head off, and nope. gut them. So... Nope. Mm, I mean, it is a perfect, like, perfect storm of oh, a yeah. mental health issue and abuse, mm-hmm. psychological yeah. abuse, emotional, mental. But again, there's plenty of people out there. Oh yeah. Well, that's why that the, go through that. The that don't said do that the things all of the shit that, that had happened to him eventually developed into the full blown psychosis. Right. Because. Right. All of the repression, all of the fucking terrible things that his mother did to him. Yeah. And then somehow he had like that Stockholm syndrome where she was the light of his life. Yeah. His whole family was gone. Ed Gein snapped. Ed Gein snapped. Ed Gein lost his fucking mind. Yeah, I don't think he had a whole lot to begin with. No. So. What little grasp he had was gone. Disappeared with his mom. Was gone, gone, gone. Yeah. Well, today I have a haunted location. Ooh. Excellent. And a murder. Excellent. Sure. Excellent. So, South Park. Oh. I am going to talk about now. This 
This is a good one. I'm ready. I'm going to talk about Bobby Mackey's. <gasps> Get out of my brain, because I was going <laughs> to say we should do that someday. <sighs> Bobby Mackey's. Every investigator or paranormal enthusiast knows the name. They know those two words, and most likely the stories that go with them. Yes. Uh, but in case you don't, or you just want to hear them, here we go. Yeah. So Bobby Mackey himself was and is a country singer. He was not a big star, but his career has spanned the last 40 years. And when he opened his honky-tonk in little old Wilder, Kentucky in 1978, I'll bet you a dollar he never thought his bar would one day have a disclaimer hanging over its front door that reads, This establishment is purported to be haunted. Management is not responsible and cannot be held liable for any actions of any ghosts slash spirits on the premises. It has a fucking disclaimer. Ghosts or hoes. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, The land where the building sits has a few issues that I think contribute to the hauntings. Oh, go on. Yeah, so sitting on the east bank of the Licking River, the land belonged to the natives, obviously, and they fought the white settlers fiercely for it, many on both sides losing their lives. And when the white settlers took over... Uh, in the 1700s, it was called Leech's Station, okay. but it changed to Wilder in the 1800s. In 1850, right where Mackey sits, uh, a slaughterhouse was built. It was a large slaughterhouse that supplied most of northwestern Kentucky and Cincinnati with beef. In the basement, there was a well. That well feeds out to the river. How many babies were drowned in that well? Well, and that's where they would dump all the blood, guts, bones, and cartilage. And there was so much that every time they dumped, the river would run red. Mm. The slaughterhouse closed down in 1890 and sat empty for a while. And some say during that time, a local satanic cult used the empty building and well for rituals and blood sacrifices. But I call horseshit. I mean, how many satanic cults do you have in rural Kentucky in 1890? I would guess... Probably none. Little to none, yeah. (laughs) Slim to none. Right. Right. Um, There is a story in particular taking place Uh near uh the property, though, that is very true. Uh uh And that's the story of Pearl Bryan. Yeah, poor Pearl. Poor Pearl. Poor Pearl. Poor Pearl. Poor Pearl. Poor girl. Her head was never Her found. Her head was never found. Is this a, a, a nursery rhyme that you're... It's reciting? actually a song that Bobby Mackey wrote. Oh, and okay. in 2012, Zach Bagans um, oh has a song called Poor Pearl that he sampled from... Well, he did it with Bobby Mackey, mm-hmm. and it's on his uh, Necrofusion album. With okay. Praga Khan. Yes. It isn't bad, actually. I enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's, it's on Poor my Pearl, poor girl lay dead upon the ground. Poor Pearl, poor girl, her head was never found. Mm. That is a country song by Bobby Mackey himself. Anyhow, Pearl Bryan was born October 25th, 1872. She was the 11th of 12 children. Oh, no. Right? In Greencastle, Indiana. Her family was well-to-do. Her father was a stock breeder and dairy owner. When Pearl was 20, she met a newcomer to town, 27-year-old dental student Scott Jackson. He and his mother, Sarah, had moved to town after Scott had gotten into a little bit of trouble at school. They apparently frown upon embezzlement. So, yeah, Scott became friends with Pearl's cousin, William Wood, which was how they met. 
They started a relationship, and by the end of summer, Pearl was pregnant. Pearl, being in her 20s, was considered past her prime for marriage, and she desperately wanted to marry Scott. So is that why she got pregnant? Is that why? I mean, it's possible. Uh, He had no interest in marriage or a child. He told her to have an abortion. Scott dips and goes back to school. Um, Pearl kept her pregnancy a secret, and Scott started sending her letters with recipes of things that were supposed to induce a miscarriage. She wrote him back and said that they weren't working. Whether or not she actually tried them or not is not known. Pearl wanted children and a husband, so maybe she thought he'd come around. Well, he didn't. Shocking. Scott came home for the Christmas holiday, and Pearl was starting to show. He told Pearl to come meet him back in Cincinnati that he would take care of her. Pearl, bless her heart, that meant thought that that meant that he was finally going to marry her. It did not. It really didn't. Pearl took off to Cincinnati January 28, 1896. When she got to the city, she went to the dental college to look for him. She didn't find him. She goes to the boarding house and checked in under her sister's name, Mrs. Maud Stanley. Oh, boy. She got a message to Scott, and he sent for her. Uh, She shows up to meet him for lunch on January 30th, but he wasn't alone. He had a man with him. It was his classmate and roommate, Alonzo Walling. Scott told Pearl that he was not going to marry her and that she was there to terminate the pregnancy. Uh, A local business owner later said that he saw them at lunch that day and that Pearl was yelling at Scott, saying that she was going to go back home and that he was going to have to answer to her brother. Uh Uh-oh. And that was the last time she was seen. So, uh, well, until the trial, there's other witnesses, but so February 1st, the headless body of a woman was found in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. The area is just a couple miles from where Bobby Mackey sits today. The woman was lying chest down on the slope of a ravine. Her arms were outstretched and at her feet was a pool of blood, not to mention the pool where her head should have been. Uh, mm-hmm. She's laying on <laughs> slanting. Yeah. Uh, her so her feet are up above her. That's not great. Right. Mm-hmm. But there was there was blood at her feet as well. Right. I know what that means. Right. So um at first the investigators thought that it was a, a prostitute from Cincinnati, so they called in detectives Cal Crim and Jack McDermott. They're the ones that kept trace of the brothels and the ladies that worked in them. Detective Krim found a lady's size 8 boot up on the hill, and he also found strands of blonde hair. The woman was wearing a light blue checkered dress with a dark blue skirt. She was wearing tan gloves, and she had defensive wounds on her hands and arms. Dogs tracked the killer sent to a nearby reservoir, which is where they assumed they'd find the woman's head. They drug it. They didn't find it. Dr. Robert Carruthers did the autopsy. He determined that she had been decapitated with a dissecting knife and had large amounts of cocaine in her system. Oh, no. And. But that was back in the day. That was not really used for what it was used for later. It was medicinal. Yeah. And that she was also five months pregnant. His conclusion report said. I am satisfied that the girl was not outraged, which means raped. Mm. He said the man had a reason to kill her, and the result of the postmortem shows it. I think he was referring to the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. 
I judged that it was a premeditated and cold-blooded murder. The girl, in my opinion, was from the country and was comparatively innocent. She was brought to Cincinnati to submit to a criminal operation. Once here, she was taken to Fort Thomas and murdered. Her head was taken away, horrible as it may seem, merely to prevent the identification of her body. Yep. So. Criminal. Right. Uh, criminal operation. Abortion. Is code for abortion. Yeah. The detectives released all the descriptive info they had to the papers to try to identify the woman, including the serial number on the label of her boot. They determined that they had been manufactured in Ohio. There were only 12 pair made, and they were all sold in Greencastle, Indiana. So they tracked down all the buyers, and they were all alive. Except for one. Until they got to the ninth pair. That pair was purchased by a Pearl Bryan. So the detectives went to her family's farm. Her parents, who still knew nothing of the pregnancy, thought that Pearl had gone to visit family friends in Indianapolis. Oh, this is a very sad way to find out. Right. After a quick telegram to their friends, they found out that she was not there. They showed her parents the clothing the body had been wearing, and they said that it had indeed belonged to Pearl. After questioning friends and other family members, Scott Jackson's name came up. Her parents had no idea about this guy yet. Oh. He was arrested February 5th, 1896, and Alonzo was arrested the next day. Good. So, Scott and Alonzo, these fucking fucks. First of all, they lied. No idea what's going on. And then, pretty quickly, they sold each other out, saying that the other one had done it. Yeah. Their story was that they had tried to perform the abortion themselves and that they had accidentally overdosed her with chloroform and that she had died in Ohio and they had cut her head off in Kentucky to conceal her identity. Fucking dudes. Right. So these two fucks, for whatever reason, thought that that was just going to be it. Yeah, like, this is totally fine. Right. It's no big deal. Well, we just murdered her on accident and then took her body over state lines and cut her head off. Right. Well, how is that going to make anything better? Right. And they're going to find out. Right? They'll never right? know. And they just kept flip-flopping with all their Guys. stories. They were kind of evasive and, you know, they... But, Fucking turds. Yeah. So these two, they're wrong. Yeah. So Dudes on the night so that Pearl was dumb. murdered, Alan Johnson, a bartender at a local saloon that they were in, saw the two men with a woman, and he testified that he saw Scott put a powdered substance into her drink. Oh. So they think that the cocaine was to um, start a miscarriage. Like, he kept trying to do everything he could. Yeah. So... I mean, he was sending her letters with... Right. Like, essentially... Recipes. WebMD random Google search ideas on how to induce Uh a fucking miscarriage. Right. So, yeah. Clearly, this guy was a fucking treasure. Yep. So, they leave the saloon. I mean, I think so. Right. (laughs) They leave the saloon, and they hailed a carriage, and driver George Jackson picked them up. And they kind of... I'm sorry, just imagine them in a Midwestern town. It's going, carriage! Yep, exactly. Just like a cab. Hey! It's, it's just like a cab. Slowly approaching them while their hands in the air and they're waving. Could you imagine though, trying to hail a carriage and then having it go right by you? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, we're literally the only people standing on this and dirt it's, road. It's going slow enough to where you could just hop on if you needed right, to. But you're just so fucking incensed <laughs> that you just glare at it. You're like, oh, fucking come on, man! <laughs> slow down! You're able to have the angry conversation with the driver as he's going... 
fuck you, buddy. No, fuck you. And it's just that for like five minutes because you can hear him. The driver of the, the or, I guess, driver of the carriage is just like pretending to not be able to hear you. He's just like, nope, sorry, I'm listening to this Victrola I have in the back of my carriage. I can't hear you. The music's too loud. Sir, there's no such thing as windows on this carriage, so I know you hear me, Thomas. I'm listening to a podcast. What? <laughs> and from the future, I've said too much. <laughs> and then he takes off down the street at 88 miles an hour. There it is. Right? There You're it is. welcome. Yeah. That was for you. That was for you, buddy. <laughs> so they hail this fucking carriage. <laughs> and the two men sort of half drag, half walk this poor drugged up woman out. Doesn't hey. sound like cocaine to me. Been there. But. That's yeah. what he found in her system. I was, I've been Pearl before um, in that instance. You've been decapitated? I've been drugged down the street yes. before. By, By this me. one, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> I still have a scar on my knee. She does. So they hailed, driver George Jackson picks them up. He said he heard the woman groaning like she was in pain, and the two men said they were doctors taking a patient home. That's oh. not how that works. Oh. Right. So oh. they oh. asked him to drive them across the Ohio River. Stop the carriage and wait. So the two men, they get out, they pull the woman out, and they drag her into the darkness right there into the forest. George was like, fuck this, y'all. I'm out. He bounced. He literally got up off the carriage and ran. He left it there. Oh, no. He left it there. See, George ran away wanting no fucking part of this, and he was smart. George was a black man uh, and not about to be blamed for whatever they were doing with that white okay. woman. Okay, that, yep, okay, that makes more sense. This is late 1800s. Yeah. He's like, uh-uh. Out. Nope. Bye. Out. Carriage and all. I'm not going down for this. There's, uh-uh. there's I don't know what Good they, yep, nope, he was smart. What year is this again? A, right now we are in 1896, I believe. Yeah, so like we still have, yeah, hard we no. still got angry people who are bitter about the North. Yeah, Atlantic. we're in 1896. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, right. he, that smart man. That fucking yeah. Way you got, to go, you got George. southern vets that are just like fuck you all yeah. over the place, right? Or so, people like he, he won't stop for them, and they're like, hey, 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 <laughs> you get back here with that carriage right now. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I can't hear you over my racism. I got my Victrola. Yeah, I'm out. I can't hear you. Not picking you up, sir. I see your Confederate flag. Mm-mm. I'm out. Bye. So now. Neither yeah. Scott or Alonzo would actually confess, and their stories kept changing. They said what had happened, but they kept trying to say it was the other one that did it. Uh. Okay. Uh-uh. So when asked about Pearl's head, first they said, uh, throw it into the river. Then they said they buried it in a sandbar. But these two were not slick, and they were not smart. No. So the bartender of the saloon they were in where they drug Pearl out of also testified that later that evening, they went back to the bar carrying a leather bag. Oh, no. bag that did belong to Pearl. Gross. And they asked the bartender to hold on to it for them. Oh, God bless He said, okay, and he took it. He didn't open it, but he said whatever was in it was round and felt heavy. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Head-like, if you will. Right. Scott went back the next day. Picks the bag up, took it to another saloon keeper, a Mr. Kugel, and asked him to get rid of it. These guys are stupid. Kugel opens it up. It was empty, 
but it was bloodstained, mm. and he turned it over to the police. Good. Right. I feel like, though, 1896, it's kind of like, well, I was given this bloody bag. I don't know what you're going to do with it, <laughs> but, but I don't want it. Right. Here, please. The bag was produced in court and put directly into Scott's lap. Oh, I like 1896 court. Uh-huh. When he was asked if it had contained Pearl's head, he said, Pearl's head? Pearl's head. Pearl's head. He said, I suppose it was. <gasps> I guess. But, mm. I want to punch him in the dick. Yeah. Square in the dick. This guy's a, like, super fuck. I want to, he seems. He's name horrible. Is, you said his name is Scott? Scott Jackson. He seems like a fucking Chad. He's a super fuck. So he is. he is a Chad. Yes. His full oh. name was Chadwick Scott. <laughs> yeah. He's a yeah. So Scott Jackson and Alonzo Walling were Chad found guilty and they were hung on March twentieth, eighteen ninety seven. Good. However, mm. reports do problem. say that both men meant God my fucking words. Both <laughs> men threatened to come back and haunt everything and everyone. Now, whether they said that or not, don't know. Uh, Pearl's head was never found. No. There are other stories that have them going to the well and throwing Throwing it down into the well. Yeah. That has never been proven or disproven, for that matter. It would make the most sense. So, um, where are we? After the slaughterhouse closed, the building sat empty until the 20s. And then it was torn down, and a roadhouse was built. Roadhouse. During Prohibition, it was a speakeasy and casino called the Primrose that was pretty busy and saw quite a bit of fights and attempted murders by Cincinnati mobsters. By the 50s, it was a club called the Latin Quarter. Oh. Where another of Mackey's famous ghosts comes in. A young dancer named Joanna fell in love with a singer named Robert Randall. She became pregnant, and when her father was told, he had Randall killed. Heartbroken, Joanna poisons her father before going down into her dressing room in the basement and killing herself. Her body was found lying next to the well. So by 1978, when Bobby Mackey bought it, there was enough death, tragedy, trauma, and violence to leave quite the imprint in a building. You fucking don't say. As soon as he started to work on the building, weird shit started to happen. Bobby's wife was attacked by an entity. Contractors were slapped, scratched, and growled at. Grown-ass men have been thrown across the room. In the mid-90s, a car lost control and slammed into a pole that's directly in front of the front door of the club. The occupants were killed immediately. Officer Larry Hornsby was first on the scene, and a woman in an evening gown came out of the club and gave him two tablecloths to cover the bodies. He went back the following week to thank her, only to find out that the club wasn't open that day and there would have been no woman in an evening gown at the honky-tonk. Of fucking course not! Um, A woman in white is often seen in the parking lot before vanishing into thin air. That stands to reason. Now, there have been multiple sightings of both a headless Pearl and Joanna. Oh, Jesus! Can you fucking imagine seeing a headless apparition? Furniture moves on its own. Mm -mm. There's banging noises, screams, and all of this, but the real, true issue at Bobby Mackey's... (laughs) The the big gun. ...is in the basement. It's always the fucking basement. Beneath the bar, down a hallway that has its fair share of bullet holes, is a section of torn-up wooden floor, and inside it is the well, the original slaughterhouse well, 
also called by many a portal to hell. The activity in the basement seems to be a bit on the darker side. There have been plenty of investigators down there and several shows, the usual suspects, of course. If I had covered everything that all of these shows had ever covered and had happened, oh evidence, go watch them yourself. This would never end. Because I would be here forever. Till tomorrow when we have to come back. Right. Um, so if you really want to know, go to the usual suspects, look up their Bobby Mackey's episode. Um, whatever is going on down there, it has had negative effects on people. There have been multiple clergymen down there that have said that there is an evil presence. They've done exorcisms down there. I personally know people that have been down there and have stood in that well, and it's not a good place. Yeah, um, it's one of those what, places where they're like, been there, yep. never again. Whatever haunts that basement seems to be very intelligent and will call you out by your name. Yep. And it has done so to multiple people. Yep. And that I, we know personally. Yes. And um, it's also on. It's, it's like it's you. It's, all of them. Zach Baggins himself said it is literally one of in the top 10 mm-hmm. most haunted places yeah. he's ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, so what. OK. Whether you believe or not. They do offer nightly tours of the building, including the basement, if you're brave enough. And for the record, Bobby Mackey himself thinks it's all just silly. He does. He does. So, um, if Bobby, you're listening, yep, we would like to go to there. We immensely I want to go to there. Would you like us to come do a live episode at, at Bobby Mackey's? Fucking Bobby Mackey's. Everyone listening currently, yeah. Hashtag it. Make it so. Yeah. Ghost um, and Hose live at Bobby Mackey's. Yeah, Shit, yeah. Um, I I want to go to Bobby Mackey's. We have for nearly 10 years. We've been talking about Bobby Mackey's a lot. Like I said, it's every show's done it. It's been covered on almost anything and everything you could ever imagine. Yeah. Um, whatever is going on at Bobby Mackey's is real. Oh, it's yeah. It's really, really fucking real. And it does center around the basement, but if you think about all of uh, the slaughterhouse itself, energy leaves an imprint. And when that happens, you know, even though Pearl's body was dumped almost two miles from where Bobby Mackey sits, when you have somewhere that creates that much energy, it will become a portal and it will draw things in. Yep. Because that's where the energy is. That is where they get drawn to. It's like a goddamn, you know, beacon of light in the night. Mm-hmm. You know, Joanna killed herself down there. There's the people that died out front. It just, that place has got something. And then to top it all off, you're sitting on native land where a battle was fought and they're buried there. I mean, it's yeah. the whole thing. And it sits on a well. Water on the banks of a river. Uh-huh. So it's a fucking perfect storm. It's a perfect storm. That's uh, there's that there's Mackey's. another fucking theme yep. for this episode. Perfect fucking storms. Yeah, <laughs> just perfect just, storms. Seriously, and headless people and yeah, we're just brain twinning apparently every again. single time. Um, but yeah, no Zach Baggins and his song. So yep, which go look it up. Oh goddamn you, and internet! It, but Bobby Mackey's is one of the locations that can and has had a negative effect on many people. Yeah. So, Uh-oh. it's not somewhere to be taken lightly. Not at all. So, fun question. Yes, I like questions. Aside from the fact that, fucking yes, eventually someday, 
Bobby will be there. Um, Did you also get a message about doing this episode from someone on one of our fucking sites? Because I don't remember. No, nobody messages me. I can't. I thought it was our. <laughs> Nobody. They, they no, all message you I directly. Thought, no, I, I thought it was on our our Instagram. Somebody had messaged and asked us to do that story. Bobby Mackey's. Yeah, like oh. literally. Well, you're welcome. Literally recently, <laughs> so they must have messaged me. But I. They thought, always just message you. I Nobody messages me. No. They all is, message you is directly. That, does that hurt? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Can you spell your last name? Message her directly. <laughs> No, it doesn't really hurt. I'm, okay. I'm being sarcastic. I'm fine. I'm just... Yeah, no, I thought it am was... Am I scary? <laughs> yes. I know Honestly, the answer is yes, but... I just don't think but... people know how to look for you. Oh, well, yeah. my I sources... tagging us in our posts on Instagram. Like, if I post something from Ghosts and Hoes on right. Instagram or Facebook, I just stop tagging us and everybody else. I think she just comes across as, as the easier one to approach when in real life, it's the opposite. It's just hilarious. <laughs> it's only because they can't see my face. It's the opposite. Because oh, yeah. in real life, oh boy, people will approach me yeah. because they think that she looks scary as fuck. I'm the one that people it's will talk to. Yeah. Not her. It's just my face. I'm not as mean as I look. I wonder if people it's know just which face. one of you is which. I don't know. That's also a good question. <laughs> Could be. Right. Oh, my sources, though, before I forget. <gasps> yes, I forgot please. mine completely. Comple- um, <laughs> I don't know. They're written down. I just forgot to read oh, them. Oh, okay. Um, Medium, Heather Monroe, Wiki, and Bitter Southerner, Asher Elbine. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. That was Great. easy. What were yours? Sorry, I had to finish off my Champagne. So, Champagne. Biography.com, Wikipedia.org, Murderpedia.com. As always, Ranker, Amanda Sedlak Hevener, which I, so many articles of hers I've used. I need to meet you, madam, and shake your hand. Uh, Listverse.com, Gary Pullman, all that's interesting.com, Marco Margatov. Yes, sure. And then uh, the book Ed Gein Psycho by Paul Anthony Woods, which I have owned and For read. For years. A few times for many years. And the State of Wisconsin Blue Book via books.google.com. Uh, it's the yeah. scan books and then you can buy them. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So it's that that last one, the Blue Book, was actually, it's like an official state legal document. And it was just kind of like um, a roster mm. of, um, I was looking specifically to see which hospital they were talking about the superintendent of one of the mental institutions that Gein was in. I wasn't, it didn't say in the article I read which hospital he had been the superintendent of. So I wanted to look it up and he was superintendent of the, um, central state. Cool. I just wanted to, for my own purposes, confirm it. Delightful. But yeah. Delightful. You know who other, the other person that we source a lot is Brett Swanser. Yes. We need to meet him, too. Frequently. Brett Swanser. Yeah. We so. love you, apparently. We do. I'm sure he listens. But. Oh, clearly. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so we we went a little long today. We did. Happy we birthday did. to us. Happy birthday to us. Thank you to everyone has who has gone and left reviews. We've gotten a few new ones, we and have. they're all fantastic. We and we you. appreciate them so much, yes, you guys. We really, really do. Give us more. 
please. We love I'm them. I'm demanding this. Make them. <laughs> Melran, whomever you are, please go fix your one star r- review that's you really don't, a five star. If you don't, fucking coward. <laughs> the no, review, I think I might know who that is, though. I'm is not it sure. an old review? It's, it was from like March, I think. Or or older, but yeah. So she follows us on the Instagram, and yeah. I, I think that that I think probably I, yeah. Okay. I think I know who it is. I'm not Thank you. Call is she people a out. Person? Fix it. Yeah. Yes. She is. Yeah. Well, because yeah. yeah, you're not a coward. No, no, no. <laughs> just the review itself is very amazing, very nice. It's just it looked like it may have been ooh, accidentally. Yeah, like the one star was. An so accident. I don't think okay, people roll, understand way, that you to have this to drinking game. Is every time you hit the mic? Every time I hit the she mic with something, you hit the mic often. I know. Apparently, my. Spatial reasoning is lacking. Yeah, with with the stars, you have to hit it all the way to the right for the five. Because yeah. if you hit it all the way to the left, it's just going to give the one star. Right. That's how that works. Yeah, having some issues headphones are like, put me on, my Mike Sand. All right, put me on, well, coach. Um, also, yes, put me on, coach. Give me a chance. <laughs> um, also, before we end today, a uh, giant thank you to everyone that has been on the show. Uh, this past year, so we appreciate huge you. thanks to Dr. K, producer Goose, co-producer Lamanda, fucking Randall, this rock Randall, star right here, finishing out the year strong, um, and of course uh, Rebecca and yes. Sarah from the Hoedown mm-hmm. and producer Nick. <laughs> that fucking guy. That fucking guy. Thank yeah, Nick, you. they never say that about me, so. <laughs> that fucking guy. But Trust me, I'm better. Thank you to Nick, because without him, technically, we wouldn't we have gotten started, started this. this. So we we appreciate you. Yeah, it's been a hell of a first you. year. It's going to be a hell of a second year. Fuck yeah, guys. We got we got good things coming. So many things. Just stay tuned and fucking subscribe to all of our shit. All of it. Every of it. Yeah. So yeah, happy birthday to us. Woo! Yeah! Woo! And uh, I hope you're not too bummed out by these stories. Uh, they're actually really good stories. They were. They're they just weren't. not like super bummers. They weren't super not, bummers. Not like bitch-ass Enriqueta or anything. Or fucking Junko but, Furuta. Yeah. So rate, review, subscribe, do all the things. We love you. We appreciate you. Very much. And until next time, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Bye. Bye. Fuck Fuck you, you, Bob. Bob. (laughs) Fuck. Fucking asshole. Fuck tart. Fucking shitbag. Fuck nut. Demons? We got got them. We got them. That's another one you have to drink for now. Drink. We're going to do 20 more minutes and catchphrases. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Fuck you, Bob.